Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Ruan Goucher, creator of the Detox Deep Dive Workbooks, author of the critically acclaimed best-selling book, A to Z of Detoxing, the ultimate guide to reducing our toxic exposures, and founder of the Detox Academy, an online library of detox resources available to help you eliminate toxic chemicals, heavy metals, and electromagnetic fields from your home, diet, self-care, and technologies. Welcome to the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast. Bethany McDaniel is a farmer's wife, mother of two young kids, and founder of Primally Pure. In this podcast, you'll learn how small detox tweaks transformed Bethany's life. For example, Bethany's skin was first transformed from detoxing just her facial moisturizer and then her diet. These experiences led Bethany in 2015 to launch her gorgeous brand, Primally Pure, which is a line of natural skincare and personal care products that are made with clean and consciously sourced ingredients. In our conversation, you'll also hear about Bethany's entrepreneurial path and how she balances work and healthy family living, as well as her morning and evening self-care routines, kitchen staples, the healthy recipes that her kids eat, her top three priorities for practical non-toxic living, and much more. I really appreciated learning about Bethany's early start as an entrepreneur and how she applies her health consciousness into practice because real life is hectic, messy, unpredictable, and nonlinear. If you'd like to share how you benefited from my conversation with Bethany, then please let me know on Instagram or Facebook at Ruan Living or email hello at nontoxicliving.tips. And if this episode was helpful, then please rate and review it. That would help so much. To learn more about Primally Pure, check the podcast show notes. Now on with the show. Are you in New York? I am. I'm in New York City. How do you like it there? Right now, it feels hard, yeah. but we love this city. Are you familiar with New York City? I've never been. You haven't? No. <laughs> well, when things are better, you need to come. Yeah, I know. Someday. <laughs> and where are you now? I am in Temecula, Southern California. Is that where your farm is? Yes. So do you live on the farm? I used to. We don't anymore. We live in town now. But I started out making products in our our farm kitchen and everything. I'd love to hear more about your background and what happened that compelled you to start Primally Pure. I think a lot of things kind of played into it. I mean, when I was a young girl, like 10 years old, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And I actually hosted these, I called them kid shops. And they were these little like sales that I would have just crafts that I would make. And I actually made lip balm at the time of, you know, ingredients that I would not put in our products. Now I actually made them out of Crisco and food dye and like put them in little Easter eggs and sold them to all my neighbors. So I always loved the idea of making something and putting it out there into the world. That was always just a fun idea to me. And then I went to college, studied communications and creative writing and thought I would do something in that field. But I'd always kind of had these skin struggles that started in junior high and then in high school and into college also. I I dealt with acne 
And I went the conventional route, went to a dermatologist and just kind of used everything that the dermatologist told me to do and was just often left feeling really frustrated because I felt like maybe one thing would work for a little bit, but then I would have some sort of a side effect. And I just felt like there had to be more to the story, but it wasn't until college, actually, I worked at Trader Joe's and a coworker of mine recommended jojoba oil as a moisturizer. And I started using that and I was blown away by how well it worked and how it didn't actually make my skin more oily. I felt like I was finally nourishing my skin and balancing it out for the first time in my entire life. And then I met my now husband and around the time we got married, him and his brothers and dad had started a regenerative livestock farm here in Southern California. And that kind of got me on this path of thinking more about what I was putting into my body. And when I kind of did a diet overhaul, that's when I really noticed a lot of positive change in my skin. My acne was clearing up. I felt like my skin had a nice glow to it that it never had before. And, and I was like, man, I missed the boat so much on the foods that I should have been eating my entire life. Like what else am I missing? And so I started looking at other products that I was using like deodorant and other products that I was using on my face. And I was just really blown away by how harmful a lot of the ingredients are that were in those products and how simple the solutions really could be and how you can find really simple, effective solutions to most skincare problems from ingredients that most of us probably have in our pantries. And then I just went wild with it and started making products. <laughs> so were you in your twenties when you changed your diet and wanted yeah. to dive deeper? Yeah. Yeah. In the early twenties. So going back to when you started using jojoba oil, what did you put that on your face or just your body? I put it on my face. So I was using, I think like Clinique moisturizer at the time. And I stopped using that and just replaced it with jojoba oil. So that was the only swap I made. I wasn't using, I didn't swap my cleanser or anything else. I just started using jojoba oil as moisturizer. I'd always been afraid of oils because I thought they would make my skin more oily than it already was, but it didn't. It actually balanced out and nourished my skin for the first time to where it wasn't having to overproduce oil to compensate for using like more water-based moisturizer, moisturizers that weren't nourishing my skin in the same way. And then later I switched to the oil cleansing method because I was always the girl using like the most harsh cleanser you could find that promised to get rid of acne and clear up pimples. And I didn't realize that I was actually stripping my skin of its natural moisture barrier and causing it to overproduce oil as a result and then perpetuate the acne and the pimples and all the things I didn't want. So once I started oil cleansing, and for anyone that's not familiar, it's just the practice of washing your skin with oil. And it's based on the scientific principle that like dissolves like. So in order to dissolve the dirt and grime and build up in your skin, you actually need a healthy beneficial carrier oil to kind of really get in and dissolve all of that. So you moisturize, you kind of massage that oil into your skin and then take a damp or a wet warm washcloth and just kind of gently wipe away all of the oil and you get this really deep, amazing clean that doesn't compromise your skin's moisture barrier. So that was like also a huge, huge, um, that made a huge difference in the And did you skin. start that oil cleansing in your twenties also? Yeah, I did. 
Okay. So what's so interesting is over the weekend, I found a book in our home that I had bought a long time ago about essential oils and different ways to use them. And I just cracked open the book and read something about oil cleansing. And I actually, I think just there are some evenings where I didn't feel like washing my face and I would just use coconut oil to clean my face, but not really having read that that was a good idea. And I didn't know if it was, but I just kind of craved it. And so it was so interesting to read about some essential oils that can help with oil cleansing. And then this morning I was on the Primally Pure blog and I saw, I saw there was an article on oil cleansing and I skimmed it thinking I need to come back to that. So that's so funny that you bring that up. It just coming up in my life the past few days. Can you talk more about depending on your skin type, whether it's dry combination or oily, what different oils you might want to use and do you use essential oils? I do. Yeah. And that's so cool, by the way, that you intuitively kind of knew that your skin craved and needed that oil every once in a while as a way of cleansing. But we do have different oil cleansers based on skin type or skin state, as we like to call it, because our skin is always changing and evolving. We're not, we don't have one skin type that we're stuck with our entire lives. So when I started oil cleansing, I was using our cleansing oil formulated for oily skin and my skin has balanced out a lot since then. And so now in the summertime, I use the cleansing oil for normal skin. And in the winter time, when the air is a bit more dry, I use the cleansing oil for dry skin. So I think it's really important to just constantly be reassessing our skin needs based on our age and our cycle, things like that, and also our environment and where we live and what the temperature, what the the climate is like in the area that we live in. So in our cleansing oil formulated for oily skin, we have a higher percentage of castor oil, which is an astringent oil, and it just works really, really well to get in there and dissolve those grimy oils that are actually causing problems in our skin. And then our dry skin cleansing oil has a lot lower percentage of castor. And it's also has oils like rosehip seed oil, which are really good for diminishing fine lines and a few other oils that are just really great for more like dry, mature skin types. And how should someone use these oils? Cause it's probably a different protocol than washing with a traditional cleanser. Cause I okay. did read you know, like you have to massage it for like one to three minutes and then put like a warm towel on, right? Yeah. So oil cleansing is an amazing addition to your nightly skincare routine. That's when we encourage people to do it just to kind of really rinse away the buildup and grime that accumulates throughout the day. So I love to oil cleanse at night and you just drop a little dollop into the palm of your hand, maybe a dime or quarter sized amount and just gently massage it into your skin. And this is the really fun part. It's a spa-like experience. It's so relaxing. So you can do that for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five. You can do it as long as you want, really. You're not, it's not gonna hurt you to do it longer, but just allowing your skin that time to let the oils absorb and work their magic and It's also just so great for all the nerve endings in your face and just activating those. The massage can be really beneficial. So you massage the oil into your skin and then you take a washcloth, run it under warm water. You don't want to get it too hot to where you're going to be burning your skin, but run it under warm water and then just kind of put it up to your face and you can kind of let it 
steam up a little bit and on your, not on your skin, but just like right in front of your skin. And then just, you want to gently wipe away any excess oil with the washcloth. And then your skin feels so good and so clean afterwards. And from there you can use a toner and then a moisturizer or the double cleansing method can also be really effective. So by that, I mean oil cleansing and then follow that up with a more traditional soap-based cleanser. And then from there, you would do the toning and the moisturizing. Double cleansing isn't for everyone. If you have a more dry, mature skin type, you won't need to double cleanse. But if you do have more oily, acne-prone skin, double cleansing can be really beneficial to just cover all your bases and get a really deep clean. So I double cleanse a few times a week, but not every night. Oh, interesting. Is a toner important to make sure you've effectively cleansed your skin? Yeah, it's really helpful for balancing the pH of the skin and just kind of getting that last bit of dirt or residue off. I like to use our everything spray and I blot it onto an organic cotton round. And then I just kind of like wipe my skin with it and you just get like such a good clean feeling with that. Is it a good idea to also use either gua sha or the jade roller while you're massaging the oil into your skin? You could do it while. I like to do that during the moisturizer step. So if I'm applying a serum, that's when I like to do it. After toning, I'll just apply a few drops of one of our serums to my hand and kind of then massage that in. And then I will do gua sha with that or a cream, either one. Do you use the jade roller too? And if so, when do you use the gua sha versus the jade roller? I'm like a little out of the habit of the jade roller right now, but it's amazing. I kind of go in waves of more gua sha or more dry brushing or more jade roller, just depending on whatever I'm, I feel like doing at the time. But most of the time I like doing the rollers in the morning and I keep them in the fridge. Actually, I keep them in the freezer. So they get really cold and in the morning, it just feels so nice. It's such a great way to wake up the skin, especially like around the eye area to depuff. That cool temperature just feels so good. So that's how I like to use it. I'm sure you have morning and evening routines, but do you get, I'd love to hear what they are. And do you get lazy about it and take shortcuts? And (laughs) so it's like the bare minimum you do. But since you're so immersed in beauty products, I thought it would be really interesting if you could share, because I know you're also a mom. Do you have like two kids? I have two little girls. And how old are they? They're pretty young, right? Yeah. Rosie is two and June will be five in like a week and a half. Okay. So such a precious time, but probably it can be challenging sometimes to take care of yourself the way you would like to. How does that work in practice for you? There's like the wish list and then there's like reality. Yeah. I love morning and evening routines, but like you said, sometimes they do get thrown off course, especially with kids. And we actually just came back from a trip to Hawaii. So normally I am like such an early riser, early to bed, early to rise. And now I am having the hardest time getting off of Hawaii time. So I've been going to bed at like 11 PM, waking up at 7 AM, which is so not typical for me. So the morning routine has definitely suffered a little bit because I haven't been getting up as early, but normally I like to go to bed early. And that's where I really focus on my skincare routine is night. 
I think I just pretty much described most of it a little while ago, but it's oil cleansing, sometimes double cleansing, toning, moisturizing, and gua sha. And then I usually just like to kind of drift off to sleep with a fiction book. I love reading fiction at night because it forces me to kind of get out of my head and not think too critically. And it's just kind of a good transition into sleeping for me. I also wear amber lens glasses at night to block out the blue light. That has been really critical for me in just kind of winding down from the day and preparing my body and my hormones for sleep. So that's what I do at night, nothing too fancy. Sometimes I'll sip on tea. And then in the morning, this is when I really get most of my like me time in for the day. Typically I'll wake up around five and I have an infrared sauna at home. It's like my favorite thing ever that I've splurged on lately. So I'll wake up and turn that on. And while it's warming up, I'll journal and plan out my day. I'll do a devotion. I'll sometimes read a little bit, usually something related to health or personal growth. And then when the sauna is ready, I'll hop in there for about a half an hour and get nice and sweaty. And then I'll hop into the shower. I like to follow it up with a cold shower. And if I'm able to get all that in, I feel like amazing going into the day. The sauna followed by the cold shower just feels so good and just totally wakes me up. Uh, and then if I have time to, I'll do Wim Hof breathing. What is that? Have you heard of Wim Hof? No. I'll send you some stuff. He's a really interesting guy. He's known as like the ice man and he holds all these world records for different feats that he's accomplished in the cold. I think he ran a marathon on the Arctic circle or something. He does all these crazy things, but he has an app and it's based on breathing and cold therapy. So he kind of has guided breathing exercises and cold shower challenges and things like that. He's a really interesting, interesting guy. So is he on the Goop Netflix? Yes. Okay. Yes. That is fascinating. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. I'm like so, so inspired by him. When you're in the infrared sauna, do you read or do you just meditate? I will usually read until I get too sweaty <laughs> and like sweat is dropping on the pages. And then I'm like, okay, I need to put the book down. <laughs> so yeah, I usually read and sometimes I'll do a little bit of meditation, but I'll try to read for as long as I can. Do you have a sauna? Yes, I have the sunlight and sauna. Oh, cool. Do you have that or a different oh, brand? It's, oh, what's it called? Heavenly Heat. Okay. I was just wondering what setting, if you had sunlight in, because there are different programs like detoxification or anti-aging cool. and others. Oh, um, I know it's, it's such a luxury when I have time to sit in it and I don't understand why I don't have more time to do it. Do you do it every morning? No, I don't do it every morning. I probably do it like three to four times a week. Do you read in your, in the sauna or what do you do? So I know that ideally you should not do anything in the sauna except like maybe meditate to like help the parasympathetic nervous system okay. um, kick in more. So I'm working towards that, but sometimes <laughs> like, you know, we juggle so much as working moms and entrepreneurs that I would be more stressed, not just jotting down. Like sometimes I'll journal in the sauna, which includes my to-do list for the day or the week. So it's not ideal, but I aim to do nothing but meditate in the sauna. But if I have to, I'll take care of other things. That's great. I know it's, it's tough to like be still for, for that long, for sure. Yeah. Do you meditate? I do on and off. I wish I did it more regularly. 
That's the goal of mine. <laughs> so when did you start Primally Pure? Started Primally Pure in 2015. What surprised you since starting it about either starting a company or clean beauty, market demand, like how consumers have reacted? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so many things. I can start with just running a company. I think one of the things that was a big help to me and also a hindrance in some ways was not ever planning to have a successful company. Like I was fueled so much by passion that I was okay with doing this, like hustling, doing it out of my kitchen and my house forever. And I didn't really take a moment to sit back and think like, okay, how can I work smarter and not harder right now? And I feel like I was kind of in that mode for the first several years of just kind of like pushing through. I was hustling like crazy in the beginning and I didn't take a step back to learn more about how to be a good boss and how to run a business. I was just kind of going full speed ahead, doing it however I knew how to do it in that moment. And a few years in, I realized, okay, I need some help. I can't get through this just purely on hard work. I need some like mentorship and knowledge and all of that. So at that point I started reaching out to people, reading business books, listening to podcasts, things like that, and developing some of those skills that I didn't naturally have in terms of just being a business owner. So that was a really like interesting time of learning like, okay, hard work isn't, it, it's gotten me this far, but now I need to step up in other ways. Did you have a plan? No. Not at right. all. And then at some point you realized I should have a plan and be yeah. smart about my energy and time. How many years until you realized you should have more of a plan? It's about two or three years. And then at that point I did some things. I joined a mastermind. And like I said, I started reading books and listening to podcasts on business and just just growing in that way. So that was one big lesson that I learned, but I also am grateful for that time in the beginning because I didn't start with any funding, any outside funding or anything like that. So I, I think I needed to, to do that, to really get things up and going. And I was so passionate that I was happy and excited to, to work that hard, but it wasn't sustainable forever. If you could go back and give advice to your younger self when you were starting out, do you have any advice or do you feel like it all happened as it should? That's tough. That's a good question because I feel like it, in some ways it needed to happen that way. And it was only me. So if I wasn't working 16 hours around the clock and, you know, staying up late and getting up early, like if I wasn't doing that, primarily pure may not be what it is today, but I probably would have advised myself to protect my sleep a bit more. That's the one thing that I think you can never get back those those nights of not sleeping in it. It's not good for you. So I probably would have just protected my sleep more so, especially after having a kid and then having to deal with the sleep thing with having a baby and then also a business. That was a, that was a tough time. Yeah. yeah. And what time do you try and go to sleep now? Usually between nine and 10. That's great. Yeah. What about you? Sleep is my greatest weakness. And <laughs> you know, I've been asking these questions because I can relate to being so passionate that I rather work than sleep. Yeah. And I did that through pregnancies and nursing. Wow. And now my number one goal is to protect my sleep quality, but it's hard. It's hard. That's why I used to, when my kids would go to sleep, I'd open my computer and 
get a little bit more work in and I can't even do that. It's like too stimulating. I have to do activities that wind me down. And when did you recognize that the light from the digital screens disrupted your sleep? I've known that for a long time, I guess. Probably since I started the company, I've always been big on the light piece. But one thing that I didn't realize until more recently is it's not only the light from your devices, it's the EMFs from the devices that can disrupt sleep. Like I used to think I was good if I opened my computer and put my blue blockers on to do some work. And then I, the more I did that, I started realizing like this still doesn't feel right. And I think it was because of the, the EMFs before bedtime. What do you think about that? Oh, definitely. I did a whole workbook on it to share what I wish I knew sooner that don't cost anything. They're just behavioral changes because it took too long for me to realize that even if I turn Wi-Fi off of the computer, there might be Bluetooth on to try and connect with wireless keyboards and mouses um, and these other little things that we don't yet fully understand because technology is so new and it's always being upgraded. And it also took me a long time to realize, even with all the wireless emissions turned off, if the laptop is plugged into an outlet while I'm touching it, that has really wreaked havoc on my sleep. Wow. Yeah. See, these are all the little things that, I mean, there's still always so much more to learn in, in your wellness journey. Like the minute I feel like I have things sorted out, it's like I learn one more thing that I could be doing differently. So it's such a journey. And that's why with with skincare or with anything, I always like to encourage people that anything you do, any positive change you make or any product swap you make is a step in the right direction. And you don't have to do everything at once, but if you're on this path and like wanting to learn and grow, the more you learn, the more you'll want to change and the, the easier and more natural it, it'll become. But I think it's so unfortunate when people put so much pressure on themselves and just think like, oh, there's just, there's so many things. It's just too much. And it's like, well, you don't have to do everything at once. You know, you can make baby steps. You'll be better off for it. I agree. I actually encourage people to detox their lives as an elimination diet. Cause when you eliminate one thing at a time, you can then notice the effect it has on your body. And it sounds like you went through that very naturally too. First, yeah. what you put on your face and then your diet. Do you feel like through that process of cleaning up these products and what you put in your body that you became more sensitive or, you know, maybe you became more in tune to your body's reactions to things. And even with the EMS, like, have you noticed that you've become more attentive to your body's symptoms? Yeah, absolutely. I like calling it like in tune and attentive versus like sensitive because I'm probably in a better place now to handle some of those toxins, but because I feel like I am closer to like my natural state of being. I notice those things more. And I think most people do that are kind of on that path. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So then it becomes really organic to yeah. lead a cleaner life. Would you tell us more about the ingredients in Primally Pure? They're such beautiful products. I love the smells. I'm now using the essential oil. And the room spray, my kids and I love my kids, whenever they come into my office, they're looking for the room spray and they're spritzing. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and the dry shampoo is fantastic. Thank you. And lip gloss. And I gave, being Asian, I don't need the deodorant, but my husband and my teenager 
have been using them and love them. Oh, thank you so much. That that's awesome to hear. Yeah, that the ingredients, I think, and this goes back to your question about things that I've learned in this industry, but there's so many clean brands now, so many more than when I started out and clean beauty has become such a trend that companies are really capitalizing on that and in their marketing, their marketing products as clean that may not necessarily be clean. Clean beauty has become such a trend and a lot of companies will say like all natural or made with coconut oil or whatever. And I think a lot of consumers don't realize a lot of those terms don't mean anything at all. So like anyone can say their products all natural. It doesn't mean it's actually natural. No one's checking for that. And if they like advertise an ingredient like coconut oil or shea butter, and then you look at the back and it's like the last ingredient under 20 different chemicals, that may not be a product that is going to be good for you. So what I've tried to really focus on at Primally Pure is just using ingredients that you can recognize and ingredients that you know what they are just by reading the label and not things that you have to look up on Environmental Working Group or Think Dirty or whatever, which are great apps. And I use them myself for certain things, but for skincare products specifically, there are so many raw, amazing, beautiful ingredients that are found in nature that really provide incredible results. So that's what we focus on, just really pure, natural ingredients that make a big difference in the impact in the health of your skin without impacting you negatively in terms of your toxic load or, or anything like that. With personal care products, including beauty products, do all the ingredients have to be disclosed on the product label? Most do, but there's a caveat with the term fragrance, as I'm sure you know about, and it's a blanket term for, I mean, I think there's I want to say tens of thousands, maybe even more different ingredients that are allowed to fall under that term of fragrance. So if a product lists fragrance as an ingredient, it's not just one ingredient. It's most likely thousands of ingredients that make up that one word on the back of the ingredient package. And that is a protected term. It's protected as a trade secret for companies. So companies can really get away with putting a lot of junk in their products that the consumer wouldn't be aware of if they are using fragrance. So that would be a huge one. If anyone is just wanting to take one step to clean up their products, just avoiding products with fragrance is a big deal. Other than fragrance, does everything else need to be disclosed? Because I know with cleaning products, very little is required to be disclosed. Interesting. Okay. As far as I know, everything else needs to be disclosed, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were more loopholes out there. Is it also true that the ingredients are listed according to like the greatest concentration to the least? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so helpful because if someone is looking at product labels and they see like the only recognizable ingredient is, let's say it's organic coconut oil, but it's the last thing, then it's like a small portion of the formula. Right. Yeah. That should be a red flag. And something we always try to communicate is if you're going to check any of the ingredients, like look at the first five and that'll tell you what the bulk of the product is made of. And if any one of those first five ingredients are a toxic ingredient, like probably a good idea to, to not buy that product. 
and is primarily pure going through the process of being verified by the environmental working group, or is that like cost prohibitive? You know, we haven't gone through any certification processes yet. We haven't felt super inclined to do it just because we have relationships with a lot of the farms and vendors we work with. And we, we really like telling their stories and kind of focusing on, on how intentional we are about sourcing. So just from a bandwidth perspective, like that's been more of our focus, but I, I definitely see us in the future doing the EWG, the certified organic, the made safe are probably ones that we would look at first. So then why don't you tell us more about the ingredients and where they come from? Are they from farms in the United States? It sounds like you know them well. Yeah, some of them, I mean, a lot of them are from the U.S. and then with essential oils, it's it's a little bit more difficult to source everything in the U.S. And we also like to use a lot of wild crafted oils that are grown in their natural environment, which isn't the U.S. for, for a lot of those oils. So we have an herbalist and aromatherapist on staff, and she does a great job of vetting different farms that we use for our essential oils and kind of sourcing them from the environment that they grow naturally in. So that's a big focus of hers. And then for our tallow, because we do use beef tallow in our products and we source from a number of small regenerative livestock farms in the U.S. for that. We source honey locally at a farm about five minutes from us. We love sourcing local whenever it's possible, but for certain ingredients, it's not. And then we just like to know their stats and reports on the purity of the oils and vet them out that way. And what are the benefits of beef tallow? So beef tallow is obviously an animal-based ingredient, which I know may sound a little weird to some people, but from my background in regenerative livestock, my family's background in that, we are of the, the belief that if you're going to use animal products or if you're going to consume animal products in any way, it's important to use the whole animal like our ancestors did. And so beef tallow is an ingredient that our ancestors used in skincare for a number of years, as is emu oil. And it's really just the, the fat of the animal, which is rendered down. And I used to actually render it myself from our cows that we would process on the farm. And it's just a really simple process of melting down the oil, then you kind of filter it out and separate the really pure oils from kind of everything else. And then that solidifies and it forms beef tallow and it's really high in vitamins a d e and k so these are ingredients that are fat soluble that aren't found in anywhere near the same concentrations in plant-based ingredients so they just give the skin a really unique set of nutrients and nutrients that the skin really needs so we're big advocates for using ingredients like beef tallow and emu oil as well as the plant-based ingredients, because each of them are so unique and each of them are really beneficial for the skin. Are you vegetarian? No, I'm not. <laughs> Have no. you tried to be? Um, I did. I did in college for about a year. I didn't do it the right way. I didn't do it in a clean way. So it wasn't, it didn't really work for me back then. And now with our farm, we get the cleanest meat available. So those make up a, a part of my diet for sure. I often hear people say that when they have tried being vegetarian, they often say, I didn't do it right. <laughs> um, and I think it's so great to highlight that there's such health conscious people who are not vegetarian, because I think a lot of people think they need to be vegetarian or vegan to be super clean. 
but it really depends on each person's unique biochemistry and I think what stage in life they're at and pregnancy and nursing, having had children and aging, even like puberty, it all requires different nutrients and kinds of fats. So I just like to highlight that. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's easy to get caught up and be super dogmatic about one type of diet being the answer, but I think people respond differently to different things. And I think as long as like getting the toxins out of your diet is the most important thing. And then kind of assessing from there, like just the different real foods and how they, how they make you feel individually is important. Earlier, when you talked about changing your diet and noticing a huge improvement in how you felt, what were the changes? Was it more like the substance of what you ate changed going from less junk food to more whole foods, or were you also doing more organic? I'm sure it was a long journey. I'm really just trying to share with listeners how you cleaned up your diet and the benefits you noticed along the way. Yeah, it was a lot of things and it's definitely progressed over the years, but in the beginning, I cut a lot of things out of my diet. So I cut out gluten, I cut out dairy and um, refined sugar were like the three big things that I removed. I was pretty much eating a standard American diet prior to this. So removing those three things and you can, you remove a lot of junk food when you cut out, especially like gluten and refined sugar. Most junk food has both of those ingredients. So by doing that, I also removed just by default, a lot of the chemicals that are put in processed food these days. And then as the years went on, I also became a lot more diligent about buying organic produce. And I mean, I had already been eating organic meat from our farm, but I became like more, a lot more strict about organic, like everything else. And then also including really nourishing foods like bone broth and um, healthy fats became a big staple for me and avoiding refined um, processed seed oils like canola and soy and safflower and things like that, which is something that's, it's so hard, especially when you're eating out to avoid those things. But yeah, that's kind of how, what my journey's like progressed into. Well, as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'd love your quick responses. What are your go-to meals for your children? Like go-to meals and snacks and what are some staples in your pantry? Yeah. Oh man. So myself and my kids have a tendency of just over snacking. <laughs> um, so one thing we're working on right now is cleaning up all the snacks in our cabinet and just focusing more on like whole meals because a month ago I would have said like, oh, you'd, you'll find like bags of Siete chips and Hue crackers and these snacks that are like made of real food. But I just think it's so important to eat meals. And so that's what we're really focusing on right now. So a lot of times for breakfast, it really varies a lot, but we make, what we make often are these pancakes and they're made of, it's just a banana and three eggs and you blend it up in like any type of blender. We use the magic bullet and then just cook them in coconut oil on a pan on the stove. So that's like a big go-to in our house. It's so easy. Just really three ingredients, banana, eggs, cooked in coconut oil. So that's a big one that we do. My sister-in-law makes fermented coconut yogurt. So sometimes I'll just give that to my girls. 
in a bowl with like almond butter and maybe a little bit of honey drizzled on top. And then um, we from our farm have a lot of different types of regeneratively raised um, like breakfast sausages. So we'll make those sometimes with like a smoothie. So breakfast totally varies. For dinners, my husband lives in, so we, we live in Temecula with his, he's one of five, all of his five siblings and his parents all live in town. So a lot of times we do like big family meals, kind of like trading, trading off at different houses, doing big family meals. And a lot of times whoever's hosting is doing like the meat, the um, whatever we're having, chicken or burgers or whatnot. And then everyone kind of brings a side. So people will bring like a salad or asparagus or um, broccoli or whatever, potatoes, and everyone kind of contributes to, to the meal in some way. So really in our, in our pantry, I mean, you'll find we have a big deep freezer where we keep all the meat. We have a lot of bone broth always. We have vegetables, fruit, nuts, nut butters bananas, lots of bananas and lots of berries for my kids. And then like some packaged snack type goods, but trying to limit those right now. Sounds similar to my family. Nice. Uh, <laughs> do you filter your water? How do you feel about filters? Um, oh my gosh. I have so much to learn in this area. We use, so there's a spring close to our house that we, we have a big tank and that gets filled up. Um, every couple of weeks in our garage. And then that filters to our sink and to our fridge. So that's what we're drinking. And then I need, I'm in the market for like a whole home filtration system for the shower and the bathtub and stuff. I have a feeling that you probably I'll know what I'm using. I love that. So what are your three favorite primarily pure products? Number one, I'd have to say deodorant. I think it's such an important swap for people to make. And it was the first product I ever created. So um, it's just a really special one to me. It's our number one bestseller. I love our deodorant. Our cleansing oil is probably next. It's made a big difference in the health of my skin. And we are just always hearing from customers about the difference it's made in their skin and just also what a fun addition it is to their skincare routines and, and self-care routines in general. So love our cleansing oil. And then the third always kind of changes, but I really like our everything spray and that's what I use as a toner, but it's great for spraying onto your underarms or bikini line after shaving to prevent ingrown hairs. It's great to just spray on your underarms throughout the day to freshen up. It has so many uses. Our customers are always sharing different ways that they're using it with us. So that would probably be my number three right now. What's in it that gives it so many benefits? It has apple cider vinegar. It has witch hazel. It has lavender essential oil and tea tree essential oil. So really antibacterial and just really like fresh feeling. My last question is, since the podcast is titled Practical Non-Toxic Living and you're a busy mom who's juggling a lot of things, we can't live a perfect, clean, non-toxic lifestyle. So what are your top three priorities? It's a great question. Um, top three, I would say food products and sleep. 
So food, rather than following a certain diet to the letter, I think just like removing the chemicals from your diet, removing the junk is so important. Kind of same thing with products. You can do really like simplify your your products a lot and you don't even have to buy Primally Pure or any which brand. Like you can do so much with ingredients that you probably have in your pantry. Like like you mentioned, you, you know, cleansing your skin with coconut oil or just using coconut oil and baking soda by itself makes a great natural deodorant mixing apple cider vinegar with water and using that as a toner. There's so much that people can do with ingredients that they have in their pantry if they aren't ready to fully commit and dive in and buy all the products. I think that we overcomplicate that a lot of times when really, if you're just getting started, I always recommend just kind of looking at your kitchen and using those products first. And then with sleep, gosh, it's just, it's makes such a big difference in your health. It's so important. And I think there are little things that you can do there also that make a big difference, like whether you're wearing blue blocking glasses or getting new light bulbs or, you know, just limiting or removing screens at nighttime, all of that will make a big difference. And then, you know, getting the temperature right in your room, removing light, creating a really dark sleeping environment are also things that make a difference. Not eating too close to bedtime can also improve sleep quality a lot. So, so many little like little things you can tinker with in each category, but as a large focus, like products, food, and, and sleep. Do you think pantry or kitchen ingredients can work just as effectively on, on skin as something you'd buy off the shelf? I think more so a lot of times, like I would much rather if I was stranded somewhere and didn't have any primarily pure products, I wouldn't go to CVS and shop the skincare aisle. I would go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods and buy like olive oil and baking soda and apple cider vinegar and go that direction before I'd buy most of the products on, on skincare shelves these days. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sophia. Thanks for listening. Podcast show notes can be found at my website at nontoxicliving.tips. To more easily listen to other episodes, please subscribe to the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast. And if you'd like to support it, then please like it and share it. Until next time.